0: In um, 2003, October of 2003, officially I signed my life over, and I ended up uh, going into the NSA, otherwise known as the National Security Agency. Um, and for me, um, one of the things that uh, I was disgruntled with from a an Army perspective was that... From an e- external perspective, before I'd gotten into the army, um, and just uh, to give you a little recap, everybody that uh, goes into the CIA or the NSA has to has to go through basic training in a um, service of their choice, and the services are um, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and also the Coast Guard. And uh, as you go through basic training and everything, you are um, you go through the process of of getting your top-secret clearance, which is essential for getting into either the CIA or the NSA. So if uh, you ever hear of somebody that claims that, uh, that they're working for the CIA or the NSA, and they also claim that they didn't go through any form of uh, military training or something like that, um, then I would actually just, at that point, discount them and, you know, call them a flat-out liar. Uh, about uh, having ever served time or you know spent time in the NSA or the CIA. Now, anyways, um, so in October two thousand and three, I ended up um, going through and actually getting the, uh, you know, signing up, and that's actually when I transitioned over and ended up uh, entering the NSA for what feels like a lifetime, but what in ultimately ended up being eight years of, to, of my life devoted to that, to the service and everything, and one of the things I didn't like... um about it altogether was a little bit of the same philosophy that had permeated in the, uh, in the army, which was this constant witch hunt. Now it was different in the army. You know, the army was all about preparation for war, pretty much all time. And um, it's, you know, when I entered, it was just, um, it was the type of thing that, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't happy with that perspective and everything. But it is what it is. You know, and then once I transitioned to, over to the NSA, it was really kind of like um, it had a... I'm smelling my food. Um, it had a tendency to be paranoid. Extremely paranoid at times. And that for me just, you know, it kind of chewed me up after a while. I just didn't enjoy it. So one of the things I, I kept thinking you know, throughout the course of this, is why? What? What's causing this paranoia? You know, um, most of the programs, you know, weren't reported to the president. You know, that's actually one thing I, I found really interesting. You know, so a lot of the things that would go on, the president was always regarded as kind of like um an interim manager, somebody that wasn't taken seriously and uh, somebody whose authority wasn't respected. Personally, um, I'll be honest with you, I didn't like this. Personally, I thought that uh, as a president coming in and everything, you should be given total and complete authority, you know, and um, when it comes down to the whole impeachment process and all that shit that happened with Nixon, you know, to be honest, I don't feel you know, I, I mean, I'm not fond of uh, of dictators, but I also don't feel, without hesitation, that uh, that anybody that uh, has has been elected as a leader should have the capacity to be able to be ejected from that leadership position until their until their term's actually finished. Now they call it checks and balances, right? You know that uh, the whole Senate and and that kind of stuff, and you know, but. When it comes down to it, you know, um, nature, in my opinion, has a way of making sure that you will do the right thing for the people, by the people. And uh, you know, so so do some people that are armed with weapons and everything. You know, so I, what I'm not advocating is violence against presidencies and everything, but what I am advocating is... Commitment to a simple decision, you know. Um, if you have chosen, you know, um, through an electorate or through a diplomatic, um, you know, chain, you know, to actually have somebody as a leader in everything for four years time, and you are overruled by the the collective that you participate in. Um, it is your if if you respect the system that you actually participate in. It doesn't matter what that fucking president does or doesn't do. You know, it doesn't matter how far. They should be considered the ultimate authority for that land. At least in my opinion. So, hold on a second. Up for the same conversation. And really, it comes down to um You know, for me, stand behind your leader, you know, so even though... Um, somebody like, uh, you know, Nixon or Clinton or Trump may have actually done what is viewed wrong in your eyes. The fact is, I I think that America has a commitment problem, you know, and um, I mean, I don't blame anybody but myself, you know, for this. I had a hard time committing to my marriages and everything, and to some degree, maybe I'm seeing a reflection of this in the real world and everything. You know, but uh, when it comes down to it, um, you know, it's just... I I guess, you know, here's the thing. There's so many people that are flaming, um, you know, Trump and everything in the media. Media that I try my damnedest to avoid and everything. So when, you know, I see something like this and everything, and I see this repeated occurrence, you know, that um, somebody like Ronald Reagan, he's polarizing, you know, he has a capability to be able to get a lot of people on his side. Not only that, but a lot of people believed in him, not just because he was an actor, but because he was a a good actor. You know, um, and I'm talking about not just the films that he's made, but also his capabilities to represent, um, represent, uh, America, you know, from a public perspective and everything. Obama did the same thing. You know, here's the thing. In my opinion, um, Trump entered into something that had been run by lawyers for too long. And, um... That's among the reasons that I, myself, I wanted a a businessman in office, Um, among the reasons, you know, my mom and dad wanted a businessman in office and everything. And the reason for it is a revision of the business. You know, America isn't just a um, legal-oriented society. You know, it's a, it in itself is a business operation as well. You know, so when you have the interests, which are preservationists at all times, you know, being led by people that, uh, you know, that are lawyers and protectionists by, by programming, you know, um, you got somebody like Trump that goes in that shakes things up and everything. Same thing holds true for Nixon. And, you know, to some degree, you know, a lot of other authorities have too. But here's the thing that I, I dislike a lot. I think that somebody that gets into office for four years' time should be protected from the decisions that they make. In other words, doesn't matter what decision that they make, even if they decide, and this is actually something I just, you know, told my dad, you know, even if they decide to run down the street naked, you know, down Pennsylvania and everything with their hair on fire, the fact of the matter is, this is a decision they make and everything that they should be preserved and everything. So... In any case, it's just, um, I don't know why this is on my mind today, but it just comes down to simple leadership. If you can't respect the leader that is elected through the processes that you participate in, then either get out of the way or find a different way, uh, a different place to be, you know, plain and simple. You know, for me, um, well, I mean, I consider myself the ultimate authority in this country, you know, um, but when it comes down to it when managing the organization that's something I like to I'd like to stay out of you know so that's, that's why I look at somebody like Trump as basically being a shaker somebody that's uh, capable of making decisions and some of the things he's going to say and do aren't are going to be you know aren't going to jive with me so Anyways. as i'm um playing uh, Watchdogs today I've been, uh, interacting a lot with cranes, and these, basically the cranes that are on top of buildings that are used to, uh, to build buildings, and on top of that, um, these devices that, uh, that are used for construction sites and that kind of stuff, so where you elevate people, and, uh, it's just to elevate people and materials and that kind of stuff. It's like a moving platform, it's got four wheels, it's, uh, kind of extended, um, these reticulating uh, arms um, underneath it, that uh, are hydri- hydraulic operated and pulls together to basically lift the entire floor, which is more or less a 10 by 5 deck that's uh, got corrugated steel on the bottom of it that um, allows you to set your equipment and you and a couple people and everything on top of it, and it's literally like an elevator. It'll lift you you know, from the ground all the way to 30 feet up in the air. Now, I've seen, um, I've seen varieties of this in, in use, uh, being, you know, used to, um, work on street lights and, in some cases, you know, heavier duty construction sites and that kind of stuff where they've got a couple of people that are working on it at the same time, working on different areas of the building or something like that. But in any case, um, yeah, finding it interesting that, uh, there's a little bit of serendipity, uh, not necessarily coincidence, but, um, you know, like I said, the the things I'm watching and in, and in, in intaking are influencing the other media, and um, as a result, I ended up seeing, you know, the same um, same types of cranes and uh, and lifting equipment over in the Flash TV show today. I find it interesting. It's just, um, you know, it's co- not coincidental, but. You know, so the question really that I have is, how is it I better control the input stimulus that comes into me um, to control the media that uh, that actually gets fed to me, and vice versa? You know, so let's just say that uh, you know, in theory, that um, you know, the information that I'm participating on and in consuming um, is actually influencing directly the TV shows you know so to some degree as a programmer let's say i'm actually stepping up my program uh... programming skills and rather than programming programs for use in a corporate environment and everything i've now learned or i am now learning a new skill which is to create uh, television programs and uh... not necessarily in the same way that's been you know that's done in Hollywood or that's presented by Hollywood where it takes a whole bunch of people to to do, but instead, you know, it could actually be done by one single individual in much the same way that I develop a computer program. So, with that, you know, um, how is it I, I can not just, um, you know, I mean, to some degree I'm directing it, you know, right now. That's actually what the, the Supergirl thing was, you know, but uh, how is it I can become better and more adept at this, because it's not, not as straightforward as as binary code and the mechanisms of if-then-else statements and everything. It's not as obvious as that to be, to create these programs, you know, so, in a sense, you know, I, I've realized that a part of it is just the information that I consume, you know. Um, and another part of it is the filters that i have in place and those filters i have in place are basically the wants and not wants the desires the experiences the education um etc all of this is is more or less acts as a as an active filter for the information that i consume and at that point the end result is the you know is the uh, modification um, at least at the very least of the shows that uh, that i'm watching you know, and um, these things that are otherwise referred to as TV programs. I had long con- long asked the question, why is it they were called programs? Well, because they're not that much different than a computer program. You know, it's just, a, you know, a TV program is more or less a program for the human mind and everything. It's a way to actually program the human mind. So, in any case, um, I'm definitely seeing... Um, I'm going to really get into, you know, trying to detail at least my thoughts and hear them out loud, you know, but uh, I'm seeing objects, at least, um, in some of the shows that I actually watch, and some of the objects that I'm um, indulging in, you know, are definitely the cranes, I always like the cranes, I think that they're kind of cool, and uh, same thing for the elevating devices and everything, you know, I think they're cool, and I love uh, messing around with those, but, um... You know so I assume that the likes are part of you know what uh is actually influenced and created in this, in these alternate realities, but the filters you know that's the whole thing so anyways um I just wanted to mention this I'm actually on on a rooftop in San Francisco with my avatar right now, and uh I actually just got done on a uh working on a crane I've got to actually make it over to this other building from one one building top to the other. And um, part of it is using cranes to basically go from one building to another to another to the high point on them. And it's, like I said, it's the same cranes that were in The Flash. So, in any case, it's just like I'm developing this relationship, I figure, you know, between me and the things I consume, and I'm making sure that I consume the things that I, I you know, want, I'm, I'm trying to focus on consuming, at least mentally, you know, thinking about my mind as being... um like a big giant mouth, you know, and that giant mouth is consuming information, and the, the output stimulus of this is what I see on TV shows. Now, I select the TV shows that I want to watch, that I actually want to expand upon, you know, um, their, that particular universe and or set of characters and everything, to guide it in my own way and everything, but, uh, you know, which at that point you know creates this feedback loop you know of of also consuming the other information with it which should continue the process of expansion at least uh, by in my theory Now, one thing i've also uh, taken into uh, that i also believe is um, there's the holographic universe i'm in the analog the holographic is kind of like wedged against mine and kind of like a symbiotic relationship so when i look at a computer screen i'm actually looking at a window into the holographic universe Um, when I look at a a smartphone screen when I look at the television um, when I look at any digital device I'm looking at a window into uh, the holographic universe as a whole I myself do not exist in the holographic universe I merely um, you know people can actually have a window into my universe seeing what they want to see hearing what they want to hear um, but is that one and the same as what I see and what I hear? No, not necessarily. You know, I mean, it could be close in some cases, but I truly doubt that anything actually captures, you know, the world as I see it and as I hear it and everything. Um, and that, that you know, was a single a solitary exception actually happen, happened out in the desert that day where, you know, I ended up seeing, you know, seeing and being aligned with what I considered the holographic universe for all but like 13 minutes. And at that point, I ended up, you know, discovering that the the necessity to take ownership of my analog. So, in any case, um, you know, the uh, holographic universe itself is a, you know, a little bit of, I mean, there's infinite potential realities. You know, the finite potential that I can actually see and interact with and everything um, are things that are actually, you know, I'm seeing on the screens and everything. So, you know, so it's not that much of a surprise to see that, you know, a, you know, it's not fixed, you know, like Watchdogs. I I may have a contained um, copy here, you know, that doesn't have any way to reference it at least through known mechanisms that I'm aware of. However, because others have influence into my my holographic universe, um, or my universe through the holographic in the same way that I I can actually influence them. Um, They're constantly, things are constantly interfering, um, altering, um, manipulating, I mean manipulating is an okay word, it's kind of true in this case, Um, but all of these influences are actually actively influencing my reality. Now, you know, this is actually why it's so important to build up filters, because a lot of these things that uh, that they want um, are things that I don't want, and as a result, it's just like I've got to deflect some of that, what I consider to be negative energy, or energy I flat out don't want. So, but, um, you know, just because I see with a limited perspective and everything doesn't mean that my limited perspective is the limit of all limits of all perspectives, and uh with that, it also means that the things that can actually influence my perspective um and the way that I perceive the world and everything um is certainly you know up for influence by other other people's uh twiddlings. You know, it's like, you know, me as a programmer everything. Little did I know I could have been manipulating alternative realities the entire time. You know, I probably was. You know, and that's okay. So, in any case, uh, this is part of an ongoing dialogue clearly, and, you know, the goal for me is to... I like the idea of... I, I really enjoyed this watchdog from um, San Francisco and everything. I want to see it get built up, and I want to see it become you know, gang-free corporations. I want to see Marcus's tone change. I doubt that's going to happen, you know, sincerely. You know, so let's say I'm actually peering into Marcus's reality, and uh, Marcus is a real person, you know, in San Francisco, and he's just one of millions, you know, upon millions of people that are actually in San Francisco. Um, I like the idea of actually, you know, contributing to and actually seeing a version, you know, of this San Francisco and everything that diverges from Marcus's view, if this is his view. Completely diverges from his view that I make my own. You know, and the same thing holds true for Flash. If Flash has a perspective, and that perspective is the, the one that I see on the TV show... And let's say I make decisions that not, may not necessarily, or I have goals and wants and not wants, like Supergirl, too, especially Supergirl. I have wants that, that uh, defy, you know, the overall, maybe it could be Supergirl or any of the characters within it and everything. Well, collectively, they get their own universe at all times, boom, and I'm building my own, individually, individually. Now, that's causing a shred of the collective, you know, to basically keep on, you know, for any time there's a collective um, dissension, you know, to my, my wants. Um, at that point, th- that member gets, you know, ejected and everything. I'm not saying that my wants dominate all all not want, but I am I am saying that uh, it must be a pretty powerful influence and everything for that not want to basically negate what I want, you know, particularly with the development of my skills and everything as a programmer at the next level. I'm not interested in programming... Okay, I'm not interested as much in programming from a literal um, if then else statement. I like the idea of learning skills with a, a new form of programming that may not necessarily be as easy to reverse engineer, and to understand, you know, and maybe it takes a little more direct hands-on like this. So, in any case, I'm, uh, I'm gonna continue jumping cranes. So, a little hacking story. About, uh, what was it, three years ago, right before I went into the, um, into the, it got shipped out to boot camp to Fort Knox and then after that went to Fort Meade. I uh I had about two weeks that I was staying with a friend of mine, Joe Shea. Um not the Joe Shea up in Vegas, but another Joe Shea in uh in the Phoenix area. I knew two Joe Shea's that it was kinda weird. But um Joe had a uh um a neighbor that was kind of a prick and everything and um Joe had all kinds of problems and everything with him so one day, uh, Joe knew that I was a little bit of a hacker, and he said, can you hack him? And I said, what do you, what do you want? And he goes, eh, don't fuck his stuff up, but just have some fun. And I said, okay, I'll play a practical joke on the dude. So, it took a little bit, and, uh, the guy had actually left his router, um, with the default uh, username and password on it. And this is back in the days where routers were shipped without um, without uh, security on them, and um, most people would just basically take it directly from CompUSA or something like that, and just basically plug it in and and uh, and play it, you know, from there. So in any case, uh, that's what he did. He had uh, taken his um, his wireless router, and I ended up um, getting into it through through admin at that point, and uh, ended up uh, adding myself to the network and everything. Now, for me, once I actually had access to that, um, I ended up uh, learning that um, he ended up having Windows unsecured on the system, on the uh, router as well. And all I had to do is basically connect to his hard drive, and at that point I ended up uh, putting something in the uh, the autoexec.bat um, or and also another directory, the um, auto runs directory, that uh, when he shut down his computer, it would automatically start up, and uh, it, I ended up a uh, created a program that would automatically change his screensaver um, and also his background to four black dudes uh, that were uh, fucking ass fucking a uh, a white a white chick from behind. So two of the guys, they've got their massive dicks. I mean, these guys are huge too, and uh, one on either side of the bed and everything. And the camera is looking, you know, like at the bed, and uh, basically it has um, one guy underneath the girl. He's got got his uh his dick in her pussy. Um, another got another guy is uh, doing her from you know doing her up on top. He's on top of her and he's got her his dick in his ass in her ass. And uh, there's two guys, one black guy on the uh, left side, on a uh, a little, um, what was it, just a, not a, it's like a recliner. It was just a little chair, and uh, another one that was on a chair on the right-hand side. And both of them, you know, have their, their dicks in their hands. And it's just like they're waiting to go. And um, so I ended up making it so where both his screensaver and his background for Windows would automatically change to this whenever he uh, started up his computer and uh it uh, i really made it a little bit difficult for him to remove it so i ended up uh, going through and i ended up if you tried to delete the screen uh change the uh the background it would automatically change it back Um, if you could trace down somehow how it was actually changing um, and delete the executable, I would have it recreate the executable and uh, pull it from a separate storage location on the hard drive. Um, Since it was starting in two different locations, there was built-in redundancy between the two places, so if you if you deleted one, it would automatically reinstall it in the other place and uh, it would run latently and um, and more or less, any you you had to literally delete them both at the same time in order to basically delete the program that actually changed both the screensaver and changed the background to the uh, to the, basically the night guy. Two guys fucking some, you know, all you see is white ass and two massive black asses doing this chick from uh, from behind and everything, and it's just you know it was kind of funny because uh Nick was next day um we could hear yelling you know from the other room and everything and th- it's not that the walls were thin but the guy was clearly infuriated by something and uh no nobody had told Joe that I was a hacker or anything like that and um at that point uh, they ended up turning around and he ended up confronting Joe the next day he goes you, um, you wouldn't happen to know anything about computers, do you? Joe tells him tells no. And he's just like, eh, something's happened to my machine, and I, I don't know how to, how to change things. And I'm just, like, going, I just thought it was, I I laughed at that one, and I still laugh to this day. It's just like, what a pain in the ass. Now, the joke kind of is on me, because I've had quite a few viruses that have done precisely the same fucking thing, and they have literally been the bane of my existence, you know, trying to remove some of these things from my system on occasion. And um, the one way that, that you had to get rid of it, there was a special set of keystrokes and everything which would actually cause a complete uninstall, you know, of the thing. So it would, with a simple keystroke set, you know, that, uh, You'd have to hunt and peck for it. Um, eventually it would, you know, you'd land on the right keystroke and at that point it would quite literally uninstall and, you know, just give you a message that it had just uninstalled and everything. Um, but that keystroke's like, a, you know, I mean, I can't remember it to this day and it's just something that's just like, you know, good luck trying to remember it. And um, the only other way to get rid of it is to actually boot into something called safe mode and at that point um knowing the two locations which aren't that hard to trace down that it actually starts up at um going and deleting those you know for the install and also going to delete the entries from the startup uh from both the startup folder and the uh and the um uh the autoexec.exe or .bat and uh yeah once that was done it's just like okay you know, but um, it was the type of thing that, this is ex- back in Windows uh, Windows 95 days where AutoExec was still run, but uh, yeah, it was just one of those things that it was a funny hack. Um, most of my hacks were lighthearted like that anyways. Um, I had one time I ended up creating a hack that uh, I was nosy, you know, really nosy, you know, and had been for a long time and everything, and uh, I created a hack. Uh, I was interested in understanding um, something called SMTP and pop pop communications and more or less, um, I, I kind of challenged myself, can I actually on the fly, uh, take a message, uh, that's been you encoded, uh, which a lot of emails were in that day, um, and can I actually decode it on the fly and actually make it so where transparently the information it's being sent back and forth and everything between people within the small company I was working for, I was working for Encore at the time, can I actually make it so where, um, I could install a program and, uh, make it so where, um, nobody else, uh, everybody else, nobody else knows, and, you know, can I actually read these emails on and everything on a dynamic basis? So what I did was I created my own version of a router, and it was, it was a loopback router. So what I ended up doing was we had a, had a, I think it was some kind of mappy server, um, it was a, uh, I think it was an early version of Exchange, that we actually had handling our mail, and uh, what I ended up doing was I ended up changing the ports for SMTP, and SMTP and POP listeners um, on the inbound connection, and I ended up changing it to non-standard ports, and uh, I ended up creating my own program that actually listened in on those ports. So one, I think it's a, what 110, uh, what are the POP? It's been a while since I did POP3 POP, POP 3 and SMTP. POP and SMTP ports. <laughs> yeah, so SMTP is 25, and uh, POP, yeah, it's 110. And uh, so what I ended up doing was just basically a translation. Um, all I had to do is make sure uh, that I had the gateway information, you know. So I had to make sure that I had the blind, CC, the BCCs, the CCCs, uh, the CCs, and the uh, the send to. All of it um, accurate. I had to have absolutely accurate, as well, as well as the subject line, and also the message. I had to make sure that uh, each one was doing a a look like translation. So I ended up working a little bit late that one, a couple of days, and I ended up testing this, and uh, I had keys to the place, so I ended up testing it, and um and there was two things I was really kind of interested in, you know. There was um, what's her name? Um, there was a girl there that had been Bob, was the guy that uh, he owned the place and everything, and um, you know his, he, the receptionist. She was, with the exception of her face, she had an awesome body. I was just like, you know, it was at a time where I didn't mind looking, but I was always kind of nosy about was there anything happening between those two still. You know, that was really kind of like the chief question that I really had to ask. Other than that, it was just like, I really wasn't interested in trying to glean anything, you know, out of the company. Um, it was just, the it, I had this challenge to myself. Can I create a listener at the server level that nobody else can detect that that intercepts 110 and and 23 you know ports of 110 and 23 communications and forwards it on to the server. So basically you send it, you know, from your machine. Let's say you're sending out an email. Now you hit send on your Exchange server, or on your um, Outlook, or whatever it is, and at that point it's communicating with the server, and that server at that point will send it on to to the sources that it's expected to go to and everything. Well, I wanted to know, can I actually alter, make minor configuration changes to Exchange, Alter the port, and at this point, have people send things through my server instead, without it crashing, because it had to be bulletproof. And can I actually send it out, and, and can I do this in an undetectable way? You know, and that's that's kind of a the tricky thing, too. It's just like, okay, you know, it's a loop back on the literal same server it's sitting on. You know, and how do you do that? Well, so what I ended up doing was I, I created the server, and it was all in C and C plus plus, and um, it sat there as a uh, as a service. It actually I had hidden it too. That was one of the uh, the lessons that I had learned. It's possible to actually create services that actually don't enlist and enroll themselves in the services uh, the services panel. And um, at that point, you know, you can actually have something sitting as a service, sitting as an executable on there, and it it will listen on that port. Now the only way, I've since found this out, the only way to be able to trace it down you know to find out that it's uh, that it's there is if you do something called a uh... a netstat dash uh... was it dash a dash I think it's dash b and uh... The dash b will give you uh... if i'm not mistaken um, will give you all the processes that are associated with a uh... a given um... port so tr- netstat uh... in itself tells you Everything that's listening, um, all open communication through TCP, it's actually on your machine at this point in time. So that's what netstat does out of the box. Now if you do netstat-a, um, it'll tell you all everything that's associated with this thing um, in an address mode. So it won't try to actually resolve the name. And if you do dash B, dash B will actually tell you the process the process ID of the process that's actually associated with it. Well, it's impossible to actually hide the process ID. Um, Everything gets a process ID, but it is possible to actually eliminate something from the Registry of Services. And uh, at that point, um, you know, that's what I ended up doing, was just basically doing that. So anyways, over the course of three nights, I tested the fuck out of this thing. I mean, I created the thing at home. I had probably about seven or eight computers at home. And... um, you know, for me, it's just like okay, it was working for me. I'd try it out for different various emails. Um, I didn't tell Lisa, my ex-wife, that I was doing this or anything like that. You know, and uh, the goal was I would just basically take anything that was sent um, and anything that was received, and I would actually send it to me to myself as a separate uh, as a separate mail. You know, so I would actually get receipt of everybody's mail. You know, and uh, at that point, I can actually change the location that it actually sent to on a dynamic basis and everything. So, anyways, as this persisted and everything, for three days, I tested the thing solidly. And, um, I mean, I ended up having this thing going for a solid week, you know, before all of a sudden something happened. And I'm just like, oh, fuck me, everyone's like, you know, um, the girl across the way, she's just like, the email, you know, ne- no, is is everybody's email out or going out? She goes, I'm not receiving any emails, I'm just like, oh, fuck, you know, what's going on here? Well, we ended up having a buffer overrun. You know, she had a document that was too big, and, you know, for some reason, I ended up underestimating the amount of bytes that would actually get sent in documents at that point, point. and uh, I fixed that problem really quick and everything, and uh, almost, almost got caught. My buddy Ron, he's a uh, pretty good sleuth and diagnostic chief and everything, and, um, yeah, but uh, I ended up having that thing up and running for probably about three months, and, yeah, you know, I didn't really learn anything, you know, I mean, from, you know, just monitoring people's communication or anything like that, you know, I'm um, sure, I paid attention to everybody's communication in the place, I mean, literally everybody, you know, Ron was my friend that was working there, Bob, um, Alyssa, that was a girl's name, um, we had another one, Bud, I think we had about, uh, seven people in this, uh, satellite office and everything, <laughs> and um yeah for me it was just one of those things that it was it was more the challenge of being able to get something like that not only going um, but going transparently and also going without, um, without any issues. I mean, cause this is basically, I mean, it's, it's not industrial, you know, we're not talking thousands of people here, we're talking six or seven people, you know, but in a general sense, you know, uh, if you're experiencing any kind of latency, this thing isn't going to scale, you know, um, I mean, I'm not interested in trying to make the thing scale you know, but the goal for me was just basically to eavesdrop, to listen to and watch people's uh, emails as they came through and everything. Well, a little bit later, um, it was about 2005. I ended up uh, doing the same thing with um, Ivan and Rosomak over at um, over at uh, CWI. I was, I was actually contracting in 2005 for um, for Ivan and uh, it, it was basically as Computer Wholesalers Incorporated. And I had actually been sent there on behalf of the NSA. And um, I ended up, uh, my responsibility there was more or less to help them do businesses, business with businesses um, that uh, were actually part of the list of uh, businesses that, you know, or people in the United States uh, were not allowed to do business with. And um, Iran was one of them. And, um, yeah, I certainly helped them and everything. I mean, that's kind of my responsibility and everything. It wasn't a moral and ethical conflict for me at all. Personally, I wanted to go visit uh, Iran. I still do. You know, it's like Cuba. But, um, you know, what ended up happening was I ended up, um, I was actually going through some issues when it came down to communication between New Jersey and, um, and uh, the office over in Arizona, and this is a personal issue that I ended up encountering. And uh, the issue that that was going on was, I had felt like um, some of the communication that was going on uh, between Ivan and Taras, um, they weren't being straight up with me about their method, uh, their um, their modus operandi, their reason for existence, what they were trying to achieve, and everything. So I ended up at this point basically saying, okay, I'd already had problems with. Um, with trying to actually create software for both the, um, both the the West Coast, you know, in Guatemala or in Guadalupe, and the whole um, Arizona region and everything. I had problems creating software and getting it to align philosophically with that, which you know, with the New, the new Jersey branch. Now we had nearly between the two uh, facilities and everything, the software that I was creating was um, was over overseeing probably about 120 people that were actually going to be using it on a regular basis. So, um, and everybody had chat, and, uh, all this chat stuff that was going on, um, I knew that there was some shit that was going on, um, and I suspected, uh, I suspected two people in, in primary, which was to Ross and Ivan, but, uh, I was trying to understand, you know, I'm trying to actually... Um, help out the guys over in over in New Jersey. Um, it seems like I'm constantly being undermined by some of the you know some of the people over there. Um, I had those two people that I suspected, you know, the GM and uh, and the owner of the place. But it, that didn't make sense to me, as in isolation. So at that point, it's just like I'm trying my damnedest. I actually I literally bought, you know, the sight unseen, you know, the whole uh, facility out there, a pizza party for Christmas one year. You know, I mean, I think I spent, um, it was, uh, (laughs) it was $120, you know, having pizza delivered, you know, to the facility and everything for all the warehouse workers, you know, because they ended up working with me to do some of the test stuff and everything. You know, and all I'm trying to do is just basically, I'm not trying to win the guys over, I'm not trying to kiss their ass, I'm just trying to say thank you, you know, for helping me out, for working with me, and, you know, um, if I can do things differently, I mean, I don't know, you know, why, why that we have all this animosity in between the facilities, you know, and, and between you and me, so whatever it is, I'll admit to wrongdoing and I'll buy you pizza. So I ended up sending out and, you know, just ended up buying $120 worth of pizza and sent it out there. Well, at that point, they... They construed it as me, um, flexing my, you know, um, the fact that I have more, uh, more money than they do. That was, it was literally, there was nothing I can do that was right. Nothing. So, in any case, I ended up just basically saying, okay, you know, if this is a communication issue, you know, um, which I don't know if it is or isn't, if it's a communication issue, then uh, I'd like to discover that. So I took some of the stuff that I did over at Encore. And uh, I had already had this program that actually listened as a server, and I had complete server access for, you know, for... And I was actually an admin for both the New Jersey and for the uh, for the um, Arizona facilities. So I ended up making some alterations to it, and... I also made some changes to the router for both locations, and I started capturing all chat-based communication, send and receive for everything. They were big on using something called ICQ, and uh, as a way to store it, I actually ended up doing a store and forward and I did something I didn't do before, and I actually stored every lick of piece in a secured communication to a SQL Server database. Um, I was pretty damn content with myself with that. I mean, I, I spent probably um, off and on about a month, both work time and my time, making, making this thing fucking bulletproof. I wanted this thing to be absolutely transparent to everybody. I wanted no suspicion whatsoever that um, what I was doing, you know, that uh, I was actually monitoring all communication that was coming into and out of both facilities and everything, Um, you know, that includes all emails and all, um, basically anything for chat. So we had ICQ, we had MSN Messenger, um, I think there was another one, Yahoo, uh, that's right, Yahoo Messenger. And, uh, between all of them, this is back in about 2005, it was about 2005-ish, 2005-2006, um, I'm just basically, I'm trying to find, you know, I'm trying to understand the dynamics, of of the situation because what i'm interested in isn't spying it's to try to make our lives better i'm working my ass off to try to do what's good for the company both abroad or both uh... you know both abroad for the people that we do business with and everything and you know for arizona and for new jersey Um, it just seemed highly combative no matter what i did you know, and um, I just felt like I was being railed, you know, and I didn't know why. You know, I was just like, what the hell can I do to make this situation right? Well, I figured, okay, you know, I'm not interested in trying to get a leg up, you know, on on information and, and trying to prepare for anything negative or anything like that. That wasn't the goal. You know, like I said, the goal is just simply to understand the dynamics and to be able to re- react better to the situation and and in all honesty not tip my hand that I'm actually listening in on the conversations you know and um, the big reason for it is it's just like look let's say I found out that indeed my suspicions were accurate and that there were some people that were actually trying hard to actually usurp you know the um, things I was trying to put in place and everything Well, you know um, given the track record um, and given the lack of a lack of support by the two primary management sources and everything Ivan and uh, Taras you know um, what other options am I given and everything well at this point it's just like recognize who who I need to pay attention to you know and um, perhaps take the time to understand them a little bit more as I move forward with what I'm doing and everything and um, not necessarily cater to them but just be aware you know of their needs you know a little bit more, so than maybe the most. You know, I'm not trying to basically give, um, you know, give uh, support to the the criers. You know, but what I am trying to do is understand the dynamics of politics better between the facilities. Understand, um, there's one, there's a hierarchy in place, but that hierarchy didn't seem to be respected. So as a result, I was trying to find out what the um, what the hierarchy um, on the street was. And at this point, I ended up, uh, I put this in place and actually ended up starting to um, manage and, and have everything logged, everything logged to SQL Server. Now, what I ended up with the beautiful thing about logging things to SQL Server is uh, it's um, it's transparent, um, and you can actually do select statements on it. So I can actually search for specific keywords or something like that. And uh, with 120 people, there's a volume, a shitload of communication that goes on. You know, so I didn't realize how much that some of these guys were were uh, you know were chatting, and and um, you know, I mean, it's I should have figured. You know, because they're chatting anytime they've got a part that they want to talk about moving from the warehouse or moving from different locations in the warehouse or, you know, um, 90% of it was absolutely work. You know, but there was the other 10%, you know, that uh, was unassociated with work and just in a lot of cases, you know, um, it was a lot of discussion between Ivan to Russ about management and that kind of stuff. And, um, while I respected everything that they had to say, I made it a fact to not read everything that they said. I wanted most of what they had to say, you know, to be, to be in private, you know. But, um, I wanted to find references to myself and to find out, um, you know, uh, what were, um, had they, if they had anything to say, you know, about me, you know, then... What was, it, uh, what was it they were saying and why. You know, I wasn't looking to improve, particularly if it was criticism or if it was problematic type stuff and everything that I felt like I was doing my best job anyways. I mean, and I sincerely did. You know, I, I was busting ass for this company and everything and uh, just doing what I considered was a great job and everything. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, I had the support of the NSA and everything on this. They, didn't, um, they did ask me about some of the stuff that I was doing, You know, um, for them and everything, and uh, I didn't exactly tell them everything. You know, I certainly didn't tell them I'd captured all the communication going back and forth between the facilities, and, you know, I'd logged everything in a SQL server into a transparent connection, and, you know, I'd basically uh, (laughs) trapped everything that went out before it went out to the router, and at that point I had a copy of fucking everything before it went. Um, No, I didn't tell them that, but I said, I'm trying my best to understand the landscape, the political landscape, and the dynamics of of the systems and between the two different facilities and everything. And uh, I am, I, I explained, I am having issues when it comes down to it, and I feel like it's probably just my lack of understanding from a psychological perspective and everything, you know, uh, particularly in a position that's considered more managerial in basis and everything. And um, they ended up, they were wonderful, you know, they were wonderfully supportive. They gave me some management resources to, uh, to look into, they gave me some psychology stuff that I, I desperately needed, I desperately needed, and they helped me out with that immensely, but um, you know, for me, um, it, it, it's it was one of those things that um, by the time I ended up doing this, it was probably a little bit too late, you know, because by then um, it, it's they were making it clear, or Ivan was making it clear he wasn't happy with uh, with um, what I was doing for the company and everything and um at that point uh taras was was trying mildly to defend me you know but taras had this massive massive issue with um with punctuality and uh you know i mean i'm a programmer and you know getting there at seven o'clock in the morning and everything which was absolute requirement you know for this this you know from his position and everything was an absolute requirement and you know i'm not shitting you when i say if i was five minutes late I would actually be considered late, tardy for it, and I would get lambasted with this. You know, so for me, it was a little bit of a high-stress situation to begin with, you know, unlike other work experiences I had where I could show up at 10, 11 o'clock and everything and leave at 7, you know, and I could work through lunch like I normally did and everything with this. It was totally different. You know, I came in at 7, had to be in at 7, and, you know, half an hour lunch, and everybody's expected to leave at 3.30. Flat out, you know, there are no exceptions and everything, you know, so for me to actually get an exception to work those, you know, couple days uh, aft hours and everything to, you know, to do some of the testing and everything was just one of those things that was just like, wow, you know, but it was really weird. It was just one of those things that was just like, what the fuck is going on here? So, anyways, I started, uh, once I started monitoring the communication, they were actually exchanging a lot of information back and forth between, you know, with ICQ. And uh, I was logging every everything for communication, you know. So I had a date and time stamp on for everything, um, the origination IP, the sender's IP, even though I knew it was Taras's machine and, uh, you know, Ivan's machine. I made sure I did a double check to validate that there was no spoofing going on or anything like that, like it really would be going on at that point. Um... I had relative uh, dates and times, by the way, so, you know, the relative date and time of the sender, you know, and the receiver, so I'd actually have a timestamp for both of them. And uh, which does I mean sometimes it takes a while to actually get routed out. And the cool thing for me is I had a correlation between the two, you know, because I would actually log database information in in New Jersey. I would simultaneously log it, and the uh, information I ended up searching against yeah. was was both databases. And uh, I just made sure that there was a uh, a correlation between the data between the time sent and the time received. And um, that's how I ended up tying the records together and everything. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure that uh, Ivan's receiving the things that uh, Taras is sending. Taras is sending the things that Ivan's sending. And um, that we have, you know, that we have consistency and communication here. Not only that, but, you know, I just wanted to find out what was going on. And was there something going on that involved me? Now, I did find out. There was one person in particular that was actually railing hard against against me, and um, it was it was animosity based. And uh, at that point, I ended up, you know, I found, I mean, I I didn't suspect the guy, but I knew the guy didn't like me, but I didn't realize that he was to some degree a little bit of a bully to everybody over in New Jersey and everything, and um, he was one of the first ones that spoke up violently, you know, against uh, some of the stuff that I ended up doing as far as the pizza party and everything was concerned, you know, over in uh, New Jersey and everything for that Christmas. And, um, you know, he ends up, uh, you know, he ends up, um, you know, sending messages on a regular basis, you know, just basically talking about, uh, how fucked up I am, you know, how, how many problems, you know, that, uh, the software that, uh, I'm putting together hands and all this stuff and everything. And I'm just like, going, what did I do to this guy? I mean, this is one of the chief guys that I'm trying to help out <coughs> to do it the way that he's asking me to do. And... And here he is, you know, it's just like, not only is he not appreciative, but he's giving, he's he's giving, you know, telling everybody, you know, just talking shit about it. And it's just like, it was damned if I do, damned if I didn't. I could work as hard as I fucking could, you know, and not just to support the two managers and everything, but also this this one dude. And uh, he was one of my primary points of contact and everything, and he wasn't even QA. And, um, yeah, it was just like... Wow. So, anyways, um, the guy I ended up finding out, he, he had personality issues with pretty much everybody over there, and, uh, I did end up getting the guy fired, you know, shortly after that and everything, and, um, I mean, it, there was no way he could possibly trace it back to me or anything like that, you know, but, uh, really when it came down to it, um, By then, uh, he'd left enough of a sour taste in everybody's mouth, you know, particularly Ivan's. And Ivan, um, but here's the thing. I knew that Ivan needed somebody in his facilities. Ivan was the owner in New Jersey, and he's the one that actually had... Um, financial ownership, and not just the company, but the projects themselves. Taras was his brother, working out at the uh, at the other office and everything. And while Taras did have a minor uh, financial, well, his basically his um his his pay is really what was contingent, and uh, and the fact that he had quit a job that actually was doing pretty well for himself and everything in sales in order to go to this job and everything. So, you know, for Taras, it um, it was a step up. It was certainly a step up on the resume, but Ivan was the one who had a vested interest in the performance of the company and everything. And um, in my opinion, I think Taras, um, you know, while he was a decent guy and everything, um, he wasn't, he shouldn't have been the one to actually have been holding the reins, and, and Ivan should have been the one to have the developer being close to him. Now, I offered numerous times, you know, to move out there. My ex-wife, she was actually, uh, from, um, Amy, she was, uh, from, uh, New Jersey, so she was certainly wanting it as well. And, uh, for me, it was just one of those things that I was just like, well... I don't mind a change of scenery and everything. I was tired of Phoenix anyways in the heat. So, at that point, I'm just like, hey, if not, I'll come out there. Well, by then, um, between the, um... The difficulty in trying to actually align the organizations and everything, and also the sour taste and, you know, just the overall sour taste this other guy that they ended up firing had left in everybody's mouth, you know, concerning the performance of the software and everything. Um, Unfortunately, you know, Ivan's mind had already been made up by then. So, it was the type of thing that um, I recognized and I knew was going on. So, I ended up more or less, um, you know, I wanted to help them out through the situation and everything. You know, my goal wasn't to be an asshole. Um, My goal was to do right for the company, by the company. And I sincerely in my heart felt like the best place for somebody to be was over in New Jersey. Now, I offered to go over there. And uh, before um, Ivan even mentioned it to me... And um, before he even thought about it, too, that was the cool thing because I knew they were questioning my place. So I thought, okay, well, um, at this point, I have one of two options. Number one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, you know, let go here. I'm fine with that, you know. But, you know, because I, ha- I'm working for the NSA, and the next contract is gonna come around just like that with the NSA. So I'm not exactly worried about, you know, consistency and you know, c- for my paycheck or anything like that. But what I was concerned about was definitely the little, you know, sour mark it would leave on my resume. <coughs> it doesn't, uh, you know, I mean, getting fired from a job doesn't uh, doesn't bode well, right? So, anyways, I ended up, um, at this point, I, you know, once I recognized that we had this communication, that they were, uh, Ivan was already openly talking about finding a replacement for me, I'm just like, or, he, he wasn't finding in that discussion yet, he was in the discussion of questioning my performance. Well, I knew that this questioning has a potential slippery slope. I can I can turn this around by trying to perform harder, and I had already busted ass at this point, so I just really wasn't interested in in giving myself a heart attack. I was already having blood pressure issues as it, as it was, you know. So the other option I had was just basically say, okay, uh, I'm gonna present them with a couple options. Number one option is. Me and my wife, we take off in New, Jer- New Jersey. We move closer to the facilities, and, uh, and I work in the facilities, and I work to placate the people that are, that are actually there. Um, that's number one option. First, Personally, I thought that would have been the best option. Option number two, I didn't mention it to him, but this is option number two. You fire me, and you find a replacement. And hopefully, I can drop the bug in your ear enough that you will find a replacement that lives close to you in New Jersey. So that's what I started working on. Now, at this point, um, I knew he was very, very resistant to me actually coming to that facility. He just wanted me to work harder. And I I do question to this day if he knew I was actually monitoring the communication. He did that intentionally in ICQ. He's a smart man. You know, and um, I do suspect that he might have known I was actually monitoring the communication. Um, but for me, it was just like I wasn't going to take it. You know, I wasn't interested in killing myself for the job, wasn't interested in working harder, you know, for a, you know, for a company that I'd already done quite a bit for anyways. And uh, particularly when they weren't, um, they weren't actually sharing the profitability. You know, and uh, one of the things that uh, really kind of bugged me as as all this was, uh, the pressure was mounting and everything, was um, they ended up uh, asking me to put my name on the website as a, a co-owner. Now I didn't have any interest in the company, and I'm just like going, okay, this is kind of weird, um, or uh, not as co-owner, but as a primary, and uh, they um, they were trying to approach it from a strategy of basically trying to sell it, and um, I'm just like going, okay, this is weird because they haven't mentioned any of this to me, and I myself I'm really not interested in this company, nor am I interested in this company's model either, so at this point I really i really was interested in just getting out and getting out as fast as i could you know so after after he denied the um, offer for me to come back east over new jersey to assist him there um, after that denial um, i ended up uh, I tried a couple more times and said, look, you know, you need somebody back east and everything. Just fly me out back east and everything for a couple months and I'll work with you there then and make sure everything's aligned with the facilities. Oh, no, we can manage it, you know. It's just like, I don't know what was going on, you know, with the whole situation or anything like that. It was just really fucking annoying until finally I ended up uh, just basically, you know, when he he asked me to put the information on the website and everything with me as a primary, I'm just like, hmm, that's it. You know, for me, this is, I mean, that was my final straw. I'm just like going, okay, you're asking me to put my name and my face on a company that, uh, while I have absolutely contributed to, you have absolutely not shared any of that contribution to me. None. Zero. Zilch. I have gotten absolutely nothing from this other than the financial paycheck that you've given me on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. But other than that, you know, it's this is not a beneficial arrangement for me you know, so, this benefits you trying to sell it, you know, because it gives a little bit more credibility that you have a programmer, you know, on board, you know, on a full-time basis and everything, you're a relatively small company, but, for me, it just, like, didn't, you know, it just didn't drive, so, anyways, I ended up, uh, you know, he asked me to create a bio, and and to post it on the internet and everything, and I did, and the bio was sat- uh, satire, it was some of my best satirical work I've ever had, and the bile read, Master of Smoke and Mirrors. So basically, for the last two months of me trying to actually work with the two facilities and everything, Taras and Ivan were button heads furiously. They just could not come to come to terms and come to agreement with what, what, what you know with what to do. Um, this was causing problems with development. So a lot of times, I would push off development on things and tell them, "Look, you guys need to make up your mind about what to do with this thing." And um, I had an office there, so I would just basically sit in my office and play play games. You know, so I'd come in at 7 o'clock, play games for the next couple hours, you know, um, go to lunch, you know, come back, play games, and I'd take off. Or I'd drowse the internet, or I'd go through and um, I'd check out chat communications or, you know, SQL stuff, or I'd go and lear- learn some new hacking skills or whatever, you know. Um, and then, you know, that's when... At that point, they, you know he ended up trying to threaten me you know to basically say, "Hey, we're going to start looking for somebody, look for somebody with your skills you know he has, he has me going through resumes, and I'm just like, "I want the fuck out of this company anyways." So I wholeheartedly looked, and uh, we looked at resumes both in Phoenix and, um, and in uh, the New Jersey area. Well, I insisted, I absolutely insisted that we look in the New Jersey area and everything, and, and uh, anybody that he presented to me in the Phoenix area, I just hands down said no to. Uh, most of them weren't good credentials anyways. But there was one guy that, um, that, that um, was it, Ivan, ended up sending to me. And then I just cracked up about, um, he had a one-page resume, and it was really, um, it didn't have hardly any technical skills, and the guy didn't look like he knew much of anything. He looked like he was great from an image presentation perspective. And Ivan loved him. (laughs) Now, I looked at the resume, and I'm just like going, this guy doesn't know how to, how to program his way out of a hat. You know he's, you know, I mean, he, Ivan had recommended somebody else before, and his head nearly burst off because he couldn't take the stress and everything of the job. You know, so this other guy, you know, he is casual, he's kind of relaxed and everything. And, you know, um, Ivan sent this resume to me and Tarascos. Is this is this another Bob? Bob was the other guy that we ended up, uh... you know, bringing in. That uh, just <laughs> the guy lasted two weeks before he ended up leaving. And I'm just like, no, this isn't a bob. And I'm just thinking to myself, um, he's a whole nother beast. This one is, you know, he's, you're going to have some fun with this one. And, um, the guy's name was Lynn Santamaria. Now, Lynn and I, um, we got along decently. And I'll, and I'll say this about Lynn. You know, Lynn, if you're listening, um, you're... A lackadaisical attitude, your your aloofness, was maddening at the same time it was enlightening. And not only did I need it when you presented it, but I needed it um, in a physiological way as well. No, you, you may not have had the skills, nor even have anything remotely as close as I did, but you're the one that taught me that that position absolutely is smoke and mirrors. These guys just needed to be, to believe that something was getting done. And, um, I don't know. You know, in essence, I mean, I do believe Lynn Santa Maria is a better manager than I was, without hesitation, and uh, he ended up taking a position over in uh, New Jersey, and we ended up shifting a lot of uh, assets and stuff over to uh, over there, and, you know, when I ended up getting noticed that I was uh, being let go and everything, I was, I, <laughs> I acted, you know, beat up and everything about it, but... I ran out, and I called my, you know, I called Amy, and I'm just like, I'm finally fucking out of there. You know, it, it felt like the biggest relief ever. She goes, you're happy you got fired? You know, it's like she knew. I'm just like, um, yes, I've been trying to get fired for the last fucking three months, you know. And uh, I just cracked up about it and everything. But it was the type of thing that um, Lynn... He didn't have experience, but um, he was a great bullshitter, and uh, I think that well, that was the thing was um, they were in a position uh, of growth of where they were stagnating because or Ivan could not come to terms with di- divesting some of the interest in the uh, company to his brother. Now Ivan needed to do one of two things, you know, with that interest. I knew it but he didn't and that was either take total, total ownership and trying to actually you know, do this whole bipolar situation or let his brother take control and um, let him run run that division and everything as he saw fit it was an either or thing, it really was um, in my, if I was Ivan, I would have taken total control yeah, I would have, I mean, sure it would have sucked you know, for Taras and everything, but I would have given Taras the option, you know, hey man, you know, it's my company and everything, um, while I will be paying you and everything to stay here and to keep on doing what you're doing and everything, um, ultimately it's my company, and, uh, we can't agree on this, and while yes, this is a democracy, and yes, I will listen to what you have to say no, I won't let it stop this company from growing in ways that I want it to. That would have been what I would have done if I was in Ivan's position, but Ivan wasn't interested. He was more interested in hiring somebody that would make those decisions for him. And ultimately, that's what he was trying to look to me to do. He, wanted, he made it clear he wanted me to be the tiebreaker. He actually said that on the way out to you know, um, he said it indirectly through Taras, and Taras reasserted it. He goes, you know, we need, just needed you to come in to basically step up and be the one to make the decision between our, our two things. And I said, Taras, I spent two years trying to actually do that, and i become the bad guy ultimately for one, one, one of the persons. I'm not interested in that. Plain and simple. This is your gig to figure out. You know, I acted beat up. It's just like, you know, I wish it would have worked. But, uh, <laughs> I... He goes, uh, and he did make the comment, you know, towards the end, too. He goes, I can't help but feel like you planned some of this. And I said, if I did, you'll never know. Well, Taras, if you're listening, yes, I did plan it. You guys are great guys. I mean, seriously. I love dealing with Ivan over the phone. And Taras, you are an incredible man. You know, um, your intensity just fucking kills me you know, and uh, I dig your wife too, you know, and just the whole company and organization that you have over there, it really is a cool company, but um, I do believe that uh, you needed to stand up against your brother a little bit more, you know, take a little bit more more ownership, I mean, I know you were trying to do that with me, you know, but uh, really when it came down to it, I was a crutch, you know, you've got a great company between the two of you, you know, there's certain things he wants to do, you know, he wants safety and growth and that kind of stuff, and while that's respectable, you know, to some degree, you're the experimenter between the two, you know, and, uh, that's your forte, and you gotta take advantage of that, just like I do with mine, you know, I'm the experimenter, and with what I do, you know, I'm gonna fuck up on occasion, I mean, with the drugs and everything, phew, I don't... I was experimenting. I was having fun. I was trying to understand my own mind. How many people really try to understand their own mind from a first-person perspective? Not a whole lot. You know, those that do are typically shunned, discredited, and that kind of stuff. And I'm, that I'm okay with. And I think that's the whole thing, is you got to be okay with that, too no, I wouldn't go back to work for you it was, I mean, that whole that whole hour thing but, um, in any case yeah, the listening you know, I've always done it and it's not something I do and I've done, you know just to slight people it's just because of the fact that it's like TV I like watching I like, it's like watching, um, there's a, um, like I said, I've been listen, or watching these voyeur, um, voyeur things on the uh, internet lately and everything, and um, voyeur cameras is what they refer to them as. So they've got real life cams is what they refer, um, voyeur house, and a lot of them are positioned as sex cams, you know, but for the most part, you know, there's maybe... I mean, of the thirty or so cameras that you might might look at, you might catch one in the act, you know, and uh the rest are you know i mean they're just being themselves on a daily basis well there's um there's this one couple that I've been watching they're called Rachel and William they're fucking nut jobs, you know, and this is actually the thing for me it's like. How do real people, how do people act? You know, I mean, I know how I acted with my ex-wife and everything. And I know how I act behind closed doors and everything. When you think that you're, you know, when I thought I wasn't being watched. And even when I thought I was being watched. But, it's just like, I guess that's what I enjoy. Is, um, to some degree just seeing the things that uh, people do to themselves, to others, or just flat out, you know, I mean, everything. It could be to themselves, to others, um their daily activities, um, what they enjoy, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to some girl that's just playing with her bunny or something like that, you know, and then there's another odd couple that uh, they stand next to the window, and, you know, they've got a, a computer set in front of it, and the girl just basically, she shows her ass, she shows her pussy, and it's just like, is there anything going on in that head? I mean, I sincerely doubt it. You know, I can't help but think, it's just like, okay, let's say, you know, that computer is the only thing in existence, and, you know, there's, basically it's a computer program. Let's say it's actually, the people behind it aren't real. You know, and uh, let's just basically say, it's you know, pretend that this room is in complete isolation. And here she is, just basically standing in front of it for hours and hours on end. Playing with herself, masturbating, showing her ass, showing her pussy, holding her tits, doing this for hours and hours and hours, every day. And it's just like this is fucking bizarre. Then I see the cello guy and the tuba dude and the uh, just all these people playing musical instruments and everything. Some people play cards and that kind of stuff. You see the normal, say, you know, with lives and everything. And I guess that's, you know, for me, the thing of of watching people over the course of the years and listening to what they have to say and everything. um, It's not been about nosiness. It's just because... I don't know. This is going to sound disturbed, but I like them. Isn't that weird? I listen and I watch... Because I like people. I listen to Ron and to Alyssa and to Bob. Because I genuinely liked that environment that I was in. I wanted to know more about them. I participate in Facebook. Because I want to know more about people. part of the reason I listen in and watch through voyeur cameras, or listen to the chat sessions of Taras and Ivan and everybody there, was because I wanted them to like me, too. I always thought, going way back to high school, All the peer pressure. Kept thinking. I kept trying so hard. Mom would take me to Kmart, and they couldn't afford much when I was growing up and everything. Take me to Kmart to get a couple shirts, and I was a dick. I rejected them, And I said, I want Bugle Boy. Because that's how I fit in with the cool kids. The ones I wanted to be like. I wanted to be like them because other people liked them. Other people like me liked them. So I got bugable. I'd get one shirt that would wear out in half the time instead of three shirts. And this happened repeatedly. To some degree I was unappreciative. I rebelled against my dad. My mom a little bit, but more my father. By the time I was seventeen and a half, and everything, it was just too much of a wayward personality. I loved them. loved them both, still do. But my problem was, I had gone and I had matured, you know, I'd grown up to, you know, from a hundred and thirty-eight pounds when I was ninth grade to a hundred and seventy-eight at the end of twelfth. I had a handful of people like me, but some people just didn't. And there's always somebody that didn't like me. I didn't know why. I tried my damnedest. Try to understand them. Try to be there for them. Try to do special things and everything for them. It just didn't work. All throughout my life, I tried different things. What am I doing wrong? I kept asking myself. What am I doing wrong? You know, there's a girl that I'm, I'm interested and attracted to and everything. Why is it I'm always getting second best or third best, not the girl I actually want? That would happen repeatedly. Now, I would tell myself the story that I'm getting what I want. And I did with a couple girls, but not like I wanted it either. You know, Jackie and Rachel, you know, Rachel's married, and Jackie is just disassociated from me emotionally and everything the entire time and doesn't want uh, want to be close. That's not the kind of relationship I wanted. It always felt like I was being sold short. I was always trying to figure out what makes a person likable. Why is it I like somebody? What attracts me to somebody? What do I find intriguing and interesting in dudes, and what do I find intriguing and interesting in, in women, and why? So the more I asked those questions, the more I actually started discovering things for myself, and at that point I ended up trying to be that, be that way myself. Money. You know, it was one, for instance. Women seemed to be, and people seemed to be, attracted to people with money. So I'd try to make more. Good lucks. I would pay attention to hairstyles and order the GQ magazine, and hopefully through osmosis, have it on my uh, dining room table. it, uh, It would actually sink in. If I'd read the articles and maybe buy some of the expensive clothes or something like that, it would actually make me look better make me look more appealing to both, you know, to the members of the opposite sex, and maybe for men Midnight would respect me, but inevitably, invariably, I would find some dude, like Thor Busey, over to Prudential. What, why the fuck do you deserve somebody like that, With kind of destroys my self-confidence? This kind of shit's happened throughout my life and everything, and I kept having to ask Why? Why does it seem like there's always somebody out there that just doesn't like me? That wants to tear me down. And this isn't a pity story. You know, self-pity or anything like that. It's just one of those things that I've lived with my entire life. Asking those questions, trying to be better. Whether or not it's a worker, or it's a lover, or it's a friend, or whatever. But inevitably and invariably, I make this move and... Boom! Everything goes to shit. (coughs) I exercise a little... selfishness and... in the form of doing drugs or sleeping with the girl I'm attracted to versus the one that I'm married to and everything. it's just like all these fucking rules that are all around me and everything, and the moment that I operate outside the rules and everything... And even if, if I operate within the rules, if it's not a, not as expected by the people or persons that I'm around and with, I'm an asshole. The last five years has been really enlightening. So if you do not ask me why I've listened and paid attention so much to why people do what they do, You know, listening to communications through all the different channels and that kind of stuff. Am I the NSA to you? I chose to listen because I I just wanted to be better. No matter who you were, no matter what you believed in. If you're Jewish or Arab or... didn't have a belief at all that's why I listened I chose to try to alter myself try to change who I was change my hairstyle change my clothes change my my attitude my personality I would do things I normally wouldn't do just because of the fact that it seemed like more people were doing it. I had evidence to believe that, uh, you know, for instance, drugs. It's just like I have evidence to believe that more people were doing it than I had actually believed to begin with. I believe I had filters on, so I went and tried it, and boom, I got addicted. And that's the whole thing. It's just like I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried so many different things. And I realized, you know, the, the takeaway from all this about five, six years ago, is it doesn't matter. None of it matters. No matter how hard I try to appease everybody, I'm never going to be able to. And that's okay. That's actually what I had to come to realize. And I think this is just a part of growing up. Maybe it took me a little bit longer to catch on to this and realize it than most. But I'm not going to be able to make everybody happy. To some degree, it's not my job. I can't make people happy. Sometimes they have to take ownership of their happiness for themselves. Just like I've had to for mine. That's why I listen. So, in any case... To anybody um, that's seeking answers to these questions and everything, yes, I am, I do believe, I am what's referred to as this entity known as the NSA. As a singular person and individual, you may see and perceive me as a company of 10,000 people. I've listened to things off and on. And I've tried not judging. I've spent a great deal of time not judging. A lot of things I see and experience don't make me happy. But I realize to some degree you almost have to let it all 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 happen. You know? For me it's just more about just getting ideas and how to how to enrich in my life. When it comes down to the confidence, hmm, you may not like what I do. I've found a way to deflect that energy and send it right back at you. Or send it off in its merry way if I can't give it back to you. It has a habit of creating. <laughs> I had a saying that I used for years. I am tef- Teflon, you are a gloom. The shit you throw at me, doesn't stick to me. But it sticks to you. it's sticks m. you. That's just my way of basically saying. It's just like it's not that I don't care. But it's that I do I want to be a better person. You know, but that better person is by my own definition. I've realized that. I've taken so much stimulus and input from the outside world and everything. So right now, I'm just basically trying to make sure there's 100% coverage for urban centers around the world. If you live in a city, I want to make sure every place has 10 to 15 cameras that I have access to, and, and audio systems too. Eventually I like the idea of actually having atomic level cameras, the capability to be able to enter any house that I want to at the atomic level, and um, input things you know, through a virtual reality uh, device or something like that, and be able to actually just eavesdrop and watch you as if I was actually standing right next to you. I like the idea of doing that. I could sit down, I could do whatever I want to, and just watch you do whatever I want to. I mean, that would be a lot co- a lot more cost-effective rather than putting cameras everywhere, and a lot easier, too. So, that's one thing I'd like to do one of these days. When it comes down to the spying and that kind of stuff, I don't think it's spying. You know, um... You're participating in my reality. It really is, you know, kind of that simple. Now I'm I'm participating in yours, and if I'm doing the things that you don't want me to, then you stand the option, the capability, to be able to eradicate those those things from your mind. Delete the fact that we ever had this conversation or accept it. And just basically say, this is something that's mutual. I mean, it's all up to you. Anyways. The reason I watch and the reason I listen is because it just adds to the color the flavor in my life. And speaking of which, I need to get some sleep here. Have a good night.